I'm going to go ahead and get started. I'm going to have uh, Danny and Joseph, you can come on up and, and uh, just share a few things with you before we get started. First, I want to welcome you out to our 2019 men's, uh, men's advance. And amen. You know, what an awesome time. And it's so, so great to have our founding pastor with us. So great to have Dr. Savell. Give Dr. Savell a hand. What an honor. I was uh, looking at his schedule and like this month he's home. I think there was like there was like there was like five days on the calendar where he didn't have anything uh, scheduled. So I'm so so glad that you made time to sew into us uh, today and tomorrow. Thank you, Doctor Savell. Uh, appreciate you. Um, and this our, our heritage men's meeting is all about going to the next level. And uh, it was around this time last year. Our, our theme last year was breaking the mold. Um, and, and every every month coming together, we talked about breaking the mold. And la- our conference last year was about raising the bar. And, and so around this time last year, preparing, you know, the Lord just said, I want you to, I want you to speak to the men um, about excellence in ministry. And I was like, excellence in ministry? And, and he, goes, he goes, because they are leaders. They are ministry. It's a servant. You're, you're people that you're, you're leading your homes. You're leading in, maybe in your workplace. You're leading your own business. Whatever it is, you know, you, you, it, it's taking it to another level. And this ministry is all men's ministry about going to the next level. And did you get one of these yet, one of these pieces of paper? Now, you know, if you come to our monthly uh, men's meeting, we, we go over this um, each time because it's our, it's, our, it's our purpose statement and it's also our statements of faith. And so we're going we're gonna to read these together as we get started and then I'll pray and then we'll go into worship. Let's read it together. It says, Our purpose is to create opportunities for the men of heritage to come together to connect, grow, get free, and go to the next level in life. Our attitude is this. We refuse to go back, give up, or plateau. We will rise and be the champions we were created to be. Statements of faith. Step up. Be a man of action. Assume it is your job and your moment. Hate apathy, reject passivity, refuse to live as a spectator in life. Speak out. Silence in the midst of a sin is a sin. Be courageous. Fear God, not man. Speak the truth in love. Stand strong. Don't give in when you're challenged, attacked, or criticized. Above all, refuse to compromise. Stay humble. Be vigilant against pride. Get the log out of your eye. Don't think less of yourself. Think of yourself less. Serve the king. Seek first his kingdom, his glory, his righteousness, hope in the eternal, and live for a greater reward. Amen. So that's what we're about as a men's ministry. So go ahead and stand to your feet. And this year, our theme was excellence in ministry. And so it was interesting. Dr. Savell, you know, said, you know, I have my heart to talk about excellence in ministry. And so, hey, we're, we didn't even talk about it. But that's what our theme's been the whole year. And there's something in Genesis chapter 41. And, and it says this, verse 37, it says, And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And that's something we've been focusing on, that the world, your family, your spouse, your spouse is looking for someone in whom the Spirit of God is. Because when you have the Spirit of God in you, you can't help but come to another level. When you have His Spirit on the inside of you, it will cause you to be the man of God that you're created to be. Lift your hands in an attitude of surrender. Father, we just thank you. Lord, we just get away from the busyness of life. We get away from uh, maybe issues going on in our marriage, and our family, with our children our finances 
And we just submit and we surrender to you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You are welcome in this place. I thank you, Father, that that we open our hearts, Father, for you to speak life into us. Speak challenges into us. Speak correction into us. Oh, Father, I thank you that we will leave impacted, we will leave empowered, and we will leave changed. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Give him a shout of praise, Danny Joseph. Father, you are a great, great God. You are a good God. You are a faithful God. Hallelujah. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your goodness. We welcome your presence here. Hallelujah, Dr. Savell. Hallelujah. Welcome, Dr. Savell. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Before you're seated, (laughs) I want to read to you something I know you're very familiar with from the book of James. James chapter 5 and verse 16, the latter part of the verse says, Pray ye one for another that ye might be healed. Yes. So, I'd like for us to start off tonight, after we've done our praise and worship, to pray for one another. Some of you may need healing in your body. The Bible says, once again, from the writings of the Apostle James, that if we pray one for another, that what we pray for others will come back on us. That's That's the law of reciprocation. Amen. So, uh, I want you to pray for the person next to you, on either side of you, for their healing. And believe that as you're praying for them, your healing will manifest. So let's just do that right now. Pray for one another. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brother. I pray for my brothers in this service tonight. I pray that they be healed from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. I pray that whatever symptoms they may have in their body, that they will desist in their maneuvers to rob them of their health. I pray in Jesus' name that whatever they're endeavoring to recover from, that recovery belongs to them right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray that their health will spring forth speedily in the name of Jesus. I not only pray for their physical well-being, but their spiritual well-being, their mental well-being, their financial well-being. Healing come forth in every area of their lives in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for it. And Father, I receive that coming back on me. I receive that coming back on each one of them that we too are healed. We too are free. We too are delivered. We too are healthy, spirit, soul, body, and financially in the name of Jesus. And we declare, so be it. Amen. Shout amen. Praise God. Amen. All right. Now, the latter part of that verse says, and the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The Amplified said it makes available tremendous power dynamic in its working. Are there any righteous men in here tonight? Hallelujah. Well, look at your neighbor and say, my prayers just prevailed. And give the Lord a good shout. Hallelujah. All right. Now, 
We're not quite done. I want to read Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. But then the Apostle Paul, as we know, was a mighty man of faith, a man of, of great insight, revelation, but yet he solicited the prayers of others. Yes. And he said, and pray for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Hallelujah. So, I consider myself a man of faith. I consider myself a man of great understanding and insight and revelation. But I solicit your prayers to for me tonight. Yeah. Praise God. Yeah. So stretch forth your hands and pray that utterance will be given unto me. In the name of Jesus. I receive their prayers, Lord. I receive their prayers. And utterance shall be given unto me. And I will open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. With your anointing. And the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. All right. Bump somebody with a fist. And say, glad you're here tonight. And you can be seated. Hallelujah. I don't know what you call that. But I call it bump somebody with your fist. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so glad you're here tonight, and I'm glad I was able to come. As Justin said, uh, uh, man, my schedule has been something else since I uh, added Brother Copeland's schedule to my schedule, and uh, uh, I'm out a lot the rest of this year, and it doesn't end at the end of this year. It starts all over again, praise God. But I'm glad I'm able to do it because they said... I would never preach again. I'd never be normal again. I'd never walk again. I'm preaching. I'm walking. And I don't care if I ever get normal again. <laughs> Amen. I don't like normal. I like living in the supernatural. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. So let's open our Bibles first of all tonight to Colossians chapter 3. When uh, Justin and I talked about the men's meeting... I mentioned to him, as he's already stated, that I just had it in my spirit to talk about excellence. Amen. Excellence. Amen. And uh, I read a definition a, a, a number of years ago, and I went back and I've preached on excellence many times, particularly in mentor meetings and pastors' seminars and so forth. Went back to some of my old notes, and I read a definition years ago, and I had them in my notes. And... Uh, uh, a definition for excellence. It simply is doing the very best that you can do with the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God has given you. Amen. Amen. That's what excellence is. I'll say it again. It's doing the very best that you can with the gifts, the talents, and the abilities that God has given you. And then add this. And doing it to the glory of God. Amen. That He might receive glory. Amen? If you read the writings of the Apostle Paul, and I know most of you have, but as I already mentioned, he was a great man of faith and had tremendous insight and revelation. 
But if you read his writings, it appears that this man's theme was excellence in every area. Excellence. He talks about excellence in prayer, excellence in walking in the Spirit, excellence in following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, excellence in preaching. Everything this man did, excellence was the motivation. He was always pursuing excellence. He even said uh, in his writings in Philippians, uh, even though this man had already had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, he'd already experienced great revelation. And, uh, uh, but he said, and, and, and I might add, he probably knew at that time the Lord Jesus perhaps better than any other person on the planet at that time. And yet he said, and this is his pursuit of excellence, that I might know him. Now, who else knew Jesus better than Paul? And yet his desire was, his heart's cry was, that I might know him. So he was always pursuing a higher level. That's what you and I should do. Always pursue a higher level. And I'm celebrating 50 years of ministry. And God has richly blessed our ministry. I've, I've had the privilege of preaching in uh, 48 different nations. Uh, uh, I can't get to all the places I'm invited to preach. God has, has blessed me. Uh, I haven't <clears throat> had a lack for a place to preach since I got started back in 1969. And I'm very grateful for that. And God's given me great insight. And I believe that's the reason why people want to hear what I have to say. Amen. 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 They don't, they don't invite losers to come to their services. Teach us how to lose. Everybody knows how to lose. Amen. And my theme is winning in life, praise God. Through the Word of God. Through our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, with all I've learned, 50 years, and, and I, don't, I don't ever reach the place where I say, okay, I know all I need to know. Uh, I've already learned everything there is to learn about faith. I've already learned all there is to know about the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I've learned everything I need to know about whatever other subject in the Bible. I haven't. The Word of God is inexhaustible. Amen. You can never learn it all. We'll still be learning till the day we are taken up, praise God. In fact, probably in heaven. You'll be in my class. Praise God. Because I'm going to know more by the time I get to heaven. Praise the Lord. And uh, we're ever learning. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ever learning. <laughs> so don't ever stop learning. Don't ever, don't ever get to the place where you think you have arrived. Amen. One of the things I loved about Oral Roberts, I, I served on Brother Roberts' board for over 25 years. He was a, a great inspiration to my life. Uh, uh, I, I miss him greatly today. He just, uh, he just was just very special to me. As many of you have heard me testify, uh, I heard the call of God watching him on television when I was 11 years old. I didn't surrender until, you know, I was uh, about 21 years old. But I heard the call of God watching Oral Roberts. And after I did surrender my life to the Lord in 1969, uh, I remembered some of the things I'd heard Oral Roberts preach. And, uh, and I began to, to want to know more about his ministry and more about his life and more about the knowledge uh, that he possessed. And I never dreamed that I'd ever meet the man. I mean, what are the odds of an 11-year-old boy hearing Oral Roberts on television 
And one day, he becomes your partner. Brother Roberts and Evelyn sent me $1,000 a month every month until the day they died. My partner. Amen. Amen. And uh, what are the odds of that happening? What are the odds of you watching uh, someone like that and you're just one in millions, you know, and what are the odds of eventually him becoming your mentor? I called him my spiritual grandfather. And uh, I, I remember many times he would call and ask me to come and spend the day with him. And I'd fly to Tulsa. I'd go to his office or either meet him in the prayer chapel and prayer tower rather. And uh, when I'd walk in his office, he'd say things like, teach me faith. I'd turn and look if somebody else came in the room. I said, Brother Robert, you've got to be kidding. Me teach you faith? You probably learn more about faith, know more about faith than I've ever learned. He said, you're looking at the hungriest man on the planet. Amen. 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 With all this man knew... And with all the miracles that he'd seen in his life and ministry, uh, I, I never knew him not to express hunger for more. Amen. In fact, one time, uh, Brother Copeland and I were there preaching with him in a, in a minister's conference. And he asked us to stay over after it was over with. And uh, he had us both sitting on the sofa in his office. And he said, uh, he handed me a piece of chalk, handed Brother Copeland a piece of chalk. Had a big chalkboard there in front of his desk. He said, write all the scriptures on this chalkboard that have caused you to become great men of faith. Isn't that amazing? This man, as I said, probably knew more about faith than we'd ever learned up to that time. But yet he was still hungry. Still hungry. So... I, I, I consider that a spirit of excellence. Yes. Amen. Yes. Never, never thinking you've arrived. Never thinking you know enough. Yes. One, of my, one of my greatest passions is spending time in the Word of God. As you know, I'm passionate about a lot of things. I'm passionate about riding motorcycles. I love riding motorcycles. Now, you don't understand it. I love <laughs> riding motorcycles. Amen. Amen. I'm going to say it one more time. I love riding motorcycles. And I love classic automobiles. I don't, I don't think I developed or acquired uh, a passion for this. I think I was born with it. I think I was born with it. I really do. And, uh, uh, and I love it. I love riding a motorcycle. I love uh, fooling around with classic cars. As you know, before I went in the ministry, that was... Part of the business that I owned. Uh, I repaired wrecked cars. I restored classic automobiles. And it's still something I'm very passionate about today. But nothing more than studying the Word of God. That's what I'm the most passionate about. Amen. Is receiving more and more insight. You know, I, I'm preaching all the time. I'm preaching nearly every night somewhere. But I don't just preach every night somewhere. I go to meetings to be preached to. <laughs> Amen. That's good. Amen. That's, good. That's one of the things I'm enjoying about being back in the meetings with Brother Copeland and doing all of his meetings with him. He's not only having me preaching, but I get to sit and enjoy him preaching because this all started with him in my life. 
He's the one that brought the message of faith to me that changed my life back in 1969. And, and even though uh, I've heard all of his sermons over and over again, and at any time he'd say, I believe I'll just stop right here and Jerry, you come take over. I know where he was headed and I can take it from there. In fact, uh, Brother Hagen, I used to do that with Brother Hagen. I, I love hearing Brother Hagen's stories. I never get tired of them. I still listen to them. In fact, uh, I don't know how to do this, but I have people in my office that know how to do this. And I took them all of my cassettes, all of my uh, reel-to-reel tapes. Uh, we're going way back. I took all of them, of my Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagen, Kenneth Copeland, John Osteen, and T.L. Osborne, all the sermons I'd collected over the years, and took them all in there and said, download all of this on my iPod. I don't know. I think I got 1,200 sermons on an iPod from these men. And I carry them everywhere I go. Usually I have it in my shirt pocket. And as soon as I get on the airplane, I bring it out and I start listing. And I've heard them over and over and over again. But every time I listen to them, I hear something I never heard before. Or I hear it in a little bit different way. Amen. See, I consider that to be part of possessing a spirit of excellence. Never thinking you have arrived. Look at your neighbor and say, I don't think I have arrived. Say, there's much more. Amen. Now, once again, let me give you this definition. Excellence is doing the very best that you can with the gifts, the talents, and the abilities that God has given you and to do it all for His glory. Some other words that are synonymous with the word excellence is surpass, exceed, outdo, transcend. Those are all words that mean basically the same thing. Excellence also suggests the concept of going beyond what is usually required or expected. Going beyond. You know, when you look at certain athletes... You know, I, I used to do uh, uh, chapel services for the Chicago Bears, the 49ers, uh, did some for the Cowboys, but more so, more of them I did with the Chicago Bears. And I had the privilege of, of going and having a, a breakfast with them on the day of the game, and I'd have a chapel service, and then they'd invite me to go to the game, and I'd be given a seat right there in the area where their wives and family sit. And I'll never forget the first time I got to sit at breakfast next to Walter Payton. And I was totally embarrassed. I looked at his thighs and I looked at mine. (laughs) Mine looked like a limb and his looked like a tree trunk, you know. I thought, man, this guy is amazing. Sweetness, they called him. One of the greatest running backs in the history of the game, praise God. But he didn't get that way. By doing with just what was expected. Come on. Yeah. Amen. Amen. He didn't become one of the greatest running backs in the history of the NFL by doing just what was expected or what was the norm. He went beyond what was required. He went beyond what was expected. Can you say amen? amen. You, don't, you don't become a strong believer by just doing what is required, and what is expected. You don't become strong in faith by doing just what is required 
You never ask the question. I mean, people that are pursuing excellence never ask the question, have I done, a yet, have I done enough yet? That's right. Come on. That's right. They never ask that question. Have I done enough yet? Have I prayed enough yet? Have, have I spent time in your presence, Lord, yet? Enough yet? No, you don't, you don't ask questions like that. You're always looking for more. Yes, yes. Amen. Sometimes, uh, you know, in these meetings, I, I have a rule. I don't do anything past 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, I spend that time in fellowship with the Lord and in the Word. I don't want being disturbed. I learned that from Oral Roberts and Kenneth Copeland. Uh, I learned working with Brother Copeland, and he learned it working with Oral Roberts, that the last voice you want to hear when you go into that meeting is the voice of God. Amen. Amen. And so I just don't do anything past 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I spend that time in fellowship with the Lord in preparation for that service. And that gives me anywhere from uh, about three hours to prepare. And then, you know, I may spend an hour getting dressed and getting ready and so forth. And then they come pick me up for the meeting. But that means I've had at least three hours that day, minimum, three hours that day in fellowship with the Lord. And one of my biggest problems is when I get into it, I lose track of time. And sometimes they're knocking on my door saying, Brother Jerry, it's time to go. And I'm not even dressed yet. (laughs) You know, because I just can't get enough. Amen. I'm not a person who only does what is required. I'm not the kind of person who only does what uh, is the usual and what's expected. I am a person pursuing excellence. And I'm not saying I've arrived, but I'm a whole lot closer to (laughs) that level than I was 50 years ago, praise God. Amen. 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 So I want to encourage you tonight. One of the things I want to leave with you tonight is don't ever take on the attitude that that's good enough. That's good enough. And I don't enjoy having employees that have that attitude. Do you, if you're, if you're in business for yourself, do you enjoy having employees that have the attitude, well, that's good enough? No, I don't, I don't enjoy people like that. I don't, I don't like people like that around me. I love them. I pray for them. But I'd rather, I'd rather have somebody who does not have the expertise but can be trained and will go beyond what is expected. Amen. 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 So notice here in Colossians chapter 3, if you will, verse 23. This is, a, is, this is a, a great definition or example of excellence. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Whatever you do, do it heartily. Heartily means throw yourself into it without any reservations. Throw yourself into that task without any reservations. Excellence includes doing the very best that you can do even when no one else is watching. Even when you don't get any applause for it. Amen? No one's saying, wow, you're really something. You're pursuing it all the time, whether anybody else sees you doing it or not. Amen. Amen. 
Excellence normally doesn't come naturally. It's something that must be pursued. You know, uh, I, I had wonderful examples. I'd never met a person in my life prior to meeting Kenneth Copeland that uh, was so demanding where excellence was concerned. He just wouldn't tolerate, you know, half do or having an attitude of that's good enough. And in fact, when, when uh, I went to work with him, I was very grateful that someone would not allow me to have that attitude. Right. That that's good enough. You know, surely that'll make him happy. No, I was glad that I was being mentored by someone who, if you've heard his testimony, was probably less disciplined than I was before I came to the Lord. (laughs) Before he came to the Lord. He had no discipline whatsoever. And I'm not saying something he didn't say before. He said it many times that he had no discipline whatsoever. He was a mess before Christ. B.C., before Christ. And I was as well. Don't look so holy. Some of you were too. Amen. But he, he uh, had the opportunity to work with Oral Roberts. He was co-pilot on his airplane. And then he uh, worked with him in the healing uh, meetings and so forth. And he got to watch a man who demanded excellence from himself and demanded excellence from everybody that worked with him. And that's when Kenneth Copeland began to pursue it. He watched it in Kenneth Hagen. Now, that was 1967. Two years later, 1969, he comes into my life. And I saw a man who was pursuing excellence. And I saw the results of it. And I wanted the results. Amen? I wanted the results. You know, somebody says, well, I have a dream of being the, one of the greatest running backs in the NFL. Well... <laughs> That means you're willing to go above and beyond. That means that you're willing to do more than what is expected or required. Amen? Well, I'd like to be one of the greatest preachers in the world. Well, that demands that you are willing to go beyond what is expected. And only what is required. I'd like to be one of the great men of faith in our generation. Well... That demands that you are willing to go beyond what is required. Yes, sir. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. How determined are you to keep putting God's Word in your heart? And are you doing it on a daily basis? That's good, sir. Not just on Sunday. Right. Just hearing Justin alone or just hearing me alone on Sunday is not going to put you in that level of one of the greatest right. men of faith of your generation. Now, you can gain faith from hearing us, but it takes more than that. Amen? See, uh, you doing it yourself during the course of the week is going beyond what most Christians are willing to do. Amen? Is everybody still interested in excellence? (laughs) You kind of lose folks about this period of time, you know, but 
But you're a different breed, praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a different breed, praise God. Amen. So excellence, once again, normally doesn't come naturally. It's something that must be pursued. You have to desire it. And then you have to go after it with everything that is in you. So once again, the Apostle Paul says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. And heartily means to throw yourself into it without any reservations. It also means, uh, uh, this word heartily, uh, uh, a word that we might use as a slang word, with gusto. (laughs) Do it with gusto. Do it vigorously, characterized with energetic action. The message translation says, Don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best from the heart. Don't just do the minimum that will get you by, but do your best work from the heart. This means if uh, if you've been given to slothfulness in the past or laziness, in the past, then that means it's going to require you to make a quality decision to make some changes. Amen. 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 Lazy people do not have a spirit of excellence. Moving right along. (laughs) Now, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And once again, I, I said at the beginning, if you read... The, the writings of the Apostle Paul, it seems like that his theme is excellence in every area. And uh, if anybody has a message translation, would you get that handy for me? Uh, I want to start reading in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Now notice here, as we've laid the foundation for excellence, notice here that he's, he's, he's challenging children to strive for excellence. In obedience to your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and your mother. Which is the first commandment with promise. That it may be well with thee. And thou mayest live long with the earth. Fathers. Now he's talking about fathers pursuing excellence. Provoke not your children to wrath. But bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Servants. He's asking them. Pursue excellence. Be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto the Lord. Not with eye service as men men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart. Amen. Once again, notice all of this has to do with excellence. Children pursue excellence. Fathers pursue excellence. Servants pursue excellence. And then verse 7 says, With good will doing service, as to the Lord, and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Anybody got that message translation? All right. Children, do what your parents tell you. This is only right. Honor your father and your mother is the first commandment. That has a promise attached to it. Namely, so you will live well and have a long life. Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Now that's excellence. Amen. Amen. That's excellence. 
Servants, respectfully obey your earthly masters, but always with an eye to obeying the real master, Christ. Don't, listen to this, don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servants doing what God wants you to do and work with a smile on your face. Always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you're really serving God. Good work will get you good pay from the master. Isn't that great? Praise God. That, that's excellence Paul is talking about. Good pay or good work will get you good pay from the master. Amen. So once again, don't just do only what is required. Go above and beyond. That's excellence. Now, uh, look it up for Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10. And the message translation says, Okay. Let me read it from King James verse. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of, of God. Uh, we, we haven't stopped praying for you, asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to His will, so you acquire through understanding of the ways in which God works. We pray that you'll live well for the Master, making Him proud of you. Amen. Amen. Live well for Amen. the Master, making Him proud of you. That's, that's one of my greatest goals. Is I, I, want, I want God leaning over, nudging Jesus, saying, that's my boy. Have you, have you noticed? Amen. Making Him proud of you. Hallelujah. You know, I have two daughters, and, and uh, both of them are in ministry, and they're both doing well in their ministry. Uh, Terry, my youngest daughter, she's traveling all over the world. She's preaching to thousands and thousands of people, some of whom I will never have the opportunity to speak to. She's invited to, to motivational seminars that have 12, 15, 18,000 people. And uh, uh, every time uh, she sends me a text, Daddy, I'm leaving for so and such and such. Uh, Daddy, I'm, I'm leaving for... Uh, Florida speaking this weekend. Daddy, I'm on my way to Paris uh, to speak in a conference. Daddy, I'm on my way to London. Uh, Daddy, I'm going here. Daddy, I'm going there. Pray for me. And when she comes back, the first response she hears from me, Terry, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Why am I so proud of her? Is because she's taken what I've taught her all her life and she's doing it. Amen. She's doing it. She's living by it. Praise God. That's taking God's word and doing it. That's how you make God proud of you. Now, you can't do anything that will cause him to stop loving you. He's going to love you regardless. But I'm not interested in just, you know, making my dad, uh, having my dad love me. And he did. But my dad constantly told me, son, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. That meant more to me. I knew he loved me, but knowing that it made my dad proud, that that meant more to me than anything he could ever say. Amen? How many of you want to make God proud? 
then don't just settle for what gets you by. Yes, sir. Amen. Go above and beyond. Are you still here tonight? Yes, sir. All right. Now, let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And Rick, uh, let's look that up in the Amplified verse 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. I'll read it from the King James first of all. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. The Amplified Bible says, Furthermore, brethren, we beg and admonish you in virtue of our union with the Lord Jesus Christ that you follow the instructions which you learn from us about how you ought to walk so as to please and gratify God, as indeed you are doing, and that you do so even more and more abundantly, attaining greater perfection in living this life. Hallelujah. So once again, I say it again. Uh, uh, If you read Paul's writings closely, it looks like his theme is excellence in every letter. That's right. Can you say amen? Amen. Pursuing excellence, praise God. So I hope that causes you to, uh, when you read any epistle from the Apostle Paul, the first thing you think is, he's challenging me to pursue excellence. He's challenging me to pursue excellence. Can you say amen? Amen. All right. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. And remember now, we read from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, uh, from the message translation. And it says, good work will get you good pay from the master. Look at Proverbs chapter 10. You can't can't, uh, talk about excellence without... Talking about diligence. Proverbs 10. He he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. The message translation says, diligence brings wealth. Amen. Diligence brings wealth. Yes, sir. Diligence brings wealth. That's not first Jerry, that's Proverbs. <laughs> diligence brings wealth. Yes, that's so good. Amen. Now, how many of you would like to increase in your finances? <laughs> increase in your material assets. Then notice here, the Bible gives us the prescription of what will cause a person to become wealthy. What will cause a person to be well off financially? Diligence. Diligence. Diligence is something that people who are pursuing excellence are willing to do. They're willing to be diligent. In other words, they're not quick to give up. They're not easily persuaded to give up. They're diligent. Now, I can't say that about all the Christians I've met in 50 years. In fact, I can't even say that about all the Christians I've met just at Heritage of Faith. Amen. 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 
I mean, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, we've got over 3,000 names on record that have come through Heritage of Faith. 10,000. I need to look at the current report. There's been over 10,000 people come through Heritage of Faith in the last 18 years. Where are they? Come on. We're a mega church and don't know it. <laughs> I'm going to start telling people that. Yeah, we got a mega church in Crowley, Texas. There's only about 500 of them show up. <laughs> you know, out of 10,000. 10,000 people have come through. Now, why do they leave? It's not because they're not hearing the uncompromising Word of God. Come on, right. That's right. Amen. right. We don't let people in our pulpit who don't preach the uncompromised Word of God. Yeah. Amen. Amen? It's not because those who are preaching it are not good preachers. Come on. Justin, one of the finest preachers. In fact, my wife says, next to me. <laughs> Justin is her favorite, praise God. Next to me, Justin. Okay. Like, 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 like John Osteen used to tell me every time I'd go preach to Brother John, he'd say in my introduction, he'd say, Brother Jerry, did you know that you're the second favorite preacher who comes to Lakewood International Christian Center? I said, I'm the second favorite? He said, yes, you are. I said, well, who's number one? He said, me. <laughs> Amen. So it's not that we're not preaching the word. It's not that we don't preach good sermons. It's not that we don't endeavor to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So what is it? What is it that causes people to come and go? A lack of diligence. Amen. A lack of diligence. They're looking, I hear from time to time, we're looking for the perfect church. Well, I always want to tell them, if you find it and you start attending, it won't be perfect anymore. Amen. You'll be the first imperfect Christian there. I remember, I've told this before, uh, Fred Price used to come to our church back in the early days. And uh, a lady came up to Brother Price as we were leaving the auditorium one day. And she said, oh, Brother Price, I'm so glad you're here. She said, I used to come uh, to this church. And she said, uh, but now I go to Bob Nichols Church. And I used to go to Harold Nichols Church. And I used to go to this church. And I just go to all the churches in this city. And she really thought that Brother Price was going to say, my goodness, what a wonderful Christian you are. He looked at her and never batted an eye. What you telling me, woman, is you ain't no good to any of them. <laughs> then he just walked off. I'm glad he said it, not me, you know. But that was true. He, she wasn't any good to any of us. That's right. Amen. What's the problem? A lack of diligence. Now, that's not only in a Christian setting. That, that, that's in the world as well. A lot of people have never learned or pursued to become a diligent person. They're not diligent. In fact, Scott, uh, Scott uh, Tripp, who works for me and has been with me for close to 20 years now, uh, 
he, he's one of the hardest workers I've ever met. And what this guy doesn't know about everything, it hasn't been invented yet. I mean, he can repair anything. If he can't repair it, he can build it. If he can't build it, he can invent it. He's the, he's, I call him the Christian MacGyver. And I'm so glad that he's been with me all these years. And he's not even thinking about leaving. He said, this is the job that God put me on this planet for. And I love that attitude. Amen. You know, and uh, I, love the, I love his diligence. I love his diligence. He, he'll, he'll stay up all night studying something if he doesn't know that much about it. And by the time I see him the next morning, he's already prayed, listened to the Spirit of God, and come up with how to repair it and save us tons of money. I don't know how many times Scott has, uh, we've, we've had a certain job to do and, and we get an estimate, it's going to cost $30,000 or more. And Scott will say, Brother Jerry, I can do better than that. Just give me a couple of days and, and I'll pray and I'll figure it out and I'll, I'll study it. And he said, I can, I can save the ministry a lot of money. And Scott will come up with it, work just as well, and it cost $2,000 per parts. And he built it. He's diligent. He, he, he just doesn't have this attitude. I've never had Scott Tripp to say to me one time in 20 years, no, Brother Jerry, we can't do that. No, that can't be done. Not one time. Not one time. Amen. And that's the reason I like having people like that around me. Not only that, that's the reason I like blessing people like that. Amen. He's worth a whole lot more than I can pay him. Boy, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice to have people like that surrounding you? If you're in business for yourself, people that, that you can depend on. You never have to uh, be concerned about whether or not they're just doing just what is required or they're going above and beyond. Can you say amen? amen. Look at your neighbor and say, that's excellence. Am I getting through to you? Yes, sir. All right, now, let's look at some of these other notes here. Proverbs 10.4 from the Message Translation, Diligence brings wealth. In other words, God rewards diligent people. Amen. God rewards people who pursue excellence. Diligence is all about not settling for just what will get you by, but going the extra mile. Yes, sir. Amen. I remember when when uh, I was a young boy, my dad uh, repaired wrecked automobiles. That's what he did for a living, and he was one of the best. If my dad couldn't repair it, then it couldn't be repaired. I, I had a different mindset about seeing wrecked automobiles than most all of my other friends. If we'd come up on a, a wreck, one of my friends might say something like, Boy, there's one beyond repair. I'd say, my daddy can fix it. Mm-hmm. Amen. I, I never saw him. I never saw a car wreck so bad that my dad couldn't repair it. And I wanted to be like him. And he started teaching me the trade uh, of paint and body work. He, he, he always said later, uh, I, I, I said, even though I got very good at it, 
I said, Dad, you're a much better body man than I am. He said, yeah, but you're a better painter. Uh, and, and I always wanted to, to come up to his level. Amen. Yeah. I always wanted to come up to his level. Now, when I opened my own business and I had to hire people to work with me, it's, it's amazing how many people that you hire that have been taught wrong yeah. and they're not willing to change. Yep. Amen. I've noticed uh, when Carol and I were building our house, uh, some of the people that we hired to build it because we couldn't find honest Christian builders at the time. We had to go get sinners who had great reputations for doing what they said. And when the only Christian contractor we had on the job, we had to let go. Because he wouldn't keep his word. He wouldn't do what he said he would do. Not only that, he did shoddy work. That's a shame. And then he's out witnessing to the non-believers. You know, they knew who I was. And, and as soon as they got finished for the day, they'd go to their pickups, which they didn't park on my property. They had it out on the road. And they'd go to their pickups, reach in the ice chest, and get a beer. And he'd start witnessing to them. But he was the only one we couldn't depend on. And they're thinking, why would I want to be like you? I'm more honest than you are now. Come on. Amen. That's right. He was the only guy on the entire job we had to let go because he wouldn't keep his word. He wouldn't do what he said. And, he, and he, his attitude was, that's good enough. Not only that, he had the attitude was, his attitude was, well, the Savelle's got a lot of money. Just charge him whatever. That's not right. I don't care how much money you got. That's not right. Amen. And by the way, we were spending every dime we had. We were believing God for for the next uh, the next wall going up. Yeah. Amen. Amen. He just assumed all that. But I, in fact, when the job was over with, and we finished the house. I called in all of those subcontractors who were not believers. And I thanked them and told them how much I appreciated their honesty and how much I appreciated their good work, their skillful work. You did it exactly the way we asked you to do it and even better. And I gave each one of them a $1,000 bonus. Because I believe God to do that. I said, God, there's 10 subcontractors on this job and I'm believing for $10,000 so I can give $1,000 to each one of them. The Christian missed out on that. Amen. Why? Because he didn't do good work. He didn't didn't pursue excellence. He was not diligent. And therefore, I believe it affected his testimony. Amen. You, you, You can't go around... Encouraging people to serve your God and they see you not being honest, not, not being diligent, not keeping your word. Amen. That's not excellence. Aren't you glad you came tonight? Praise God. <laughs> That's not excellence. Now, 
Proverbs 13.4. You're in Proverbs 10. Just go over a few chapters. Proverbs 13.4. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. That's all he does. I wish I had this. And I wish I had that. How many of you remember that old uh, TV series called Hee Haw? (laughs) (laughs) How many of you remember old... uh, uh, oh, the big heavy set one. Uh, what was his name? Oh, uh, yeah, Junior Samples. <laughs> Junior sitting out in the front yard, you mean, and uh, Roy Clark. They're they're both laying on the ground out in the front yard. No, I'm sorry, they're laying on the porch. And somebody came outside the door, the screen door, and said. Them sure are some pretty girls out there in the front yard. And Junior said, I wish I was turned that way. <laughs> he was so lazy he wouldn't even get up and look. You know? <laughs> I wish I was turned that way. That's what the sluggard does. <laughs> I don't know why I couldn't think of a better example, but that's pretty good. Amen. Great analogy. Great analogy. Amen. Yeah. Well, the sluggard says, I wish I had a car like that. I wish I had a house like that. I wish I had money in the bank like that. The the proverb says he only desires it. He doesn't do anything about it. He doesn't get up and do something about it. But notice it says uh, here in verse 4, the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. The Amplified Bible says the diligent is abundantly supplied. The diligent is abundantly supplied. Amen. If you see somebody who's abundantly supplied, now you know why. They're diligent. They pursue excellence. Amen. They, they, they do what they do with their whole heart. They put all they have into it. They never have the attitude that's good enough. Amen. Amen. Come on, amen. amen. I might add that this is all a matter of choice. That's right. It's all a matter of choice. I can't make that choice for you. You can't make it for anybody else. I have I have young ministers that say to me quite often, Roger, I wish I had a ministry like yours. Well, it didn't get this way by being lazy. No, you know, people see you now. They think you never went through what we went through. Where were you 50 years ago when I was out beating the bushes? I haven't always preached in thousands of people in convention centers all over the world. I remember preaching in an abandoned laundromat in Andrews, Texas. I preached in a barn in Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky. In fact, my, my prayer room was the tack room mm-hmm. where they kept the saddles and the, and the bridles and everything. And I'm in there praying and they had people sitting outside and they put stacks of hay for my pulpit. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting in this, I'm standing in this uh, tack room praying and I felt something pulling on my coat. Turn around, there's a goat eating the back out of my coat. 
word. Yeah. Yeah, his favorite scripture was, was uh, I did find the word and I did eat it. <laughs> But I didn't quit. I didn't say, God, will I ever, will I ever preach to thousands? I'm in a barn. A goat's eating my suit. No, I kept at it. 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 Did any of you ever see the movie about Jerry Lee Lewis that uh, um, Dennis Quaid played the part? Remember that movie? Jerry Lee Lewis? Yeah. Great Balls of Fire. Right at the end. Now, I went to see that movie because I grew up in that era. Okay? And I remember Jerry Lee Lewis as, as a young boy, when I was a young boy. And I went to that movie, and I'll never forget the last scene where Jerry Lee is in this. Now, he became, they said at one time, he was about to overtake Elvis in his popularity. That's pretty big. Yeah. And the last scene, he's back in a little tiny nightclub playing with just a handful of people. And he said, in not the ex- exact words, but pretty close, and somewhere tonight, you'll find Jerry Lee playing. In other words, he went from the top, and because of the scandal in his life, he went to the bottom. But somewhere tonight, Jerry Lee is still playing. Amen. That's diligence. That's, that's not giving up. Amen. And, and I, when I saw that scene, I saw me in those little places back there when I first started in 1969. Somewhere tonight, you'll find Jerry Savelle preaching the word of faith. Hallelujah. Somewhere tonight, you'll find Jerry Savelle Still preaching the word of faith. Hallelujah. And I go to serve. I go to places that's got 10 people. I go, is that right, Tony? I don't care how many people they got. I'm not, I'm not the kind of person where I ask, how many people do you have? I have to have at least 5,000 if I come. I don't even require finances for it. I don't make demands on the offerings. I go whether I receive an offering or not. But somewhere tonight... You will find Jerry Savelle preaching the word of faith. Hallelujah. 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 And you ask why I'm blessed? You ask why uh, I'm supplied? Hallelujah. Diligence. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm, I'm receiving it. How about you? I'm receiving it. How about you? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Good teaching, sir. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Amen. We're just laying a foundation here tonight and. Then we'll take it up here in the morning. Verse 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all thy might. Now he's talking about here, uh, basically... On the job. Not just in church. Amen. But on the job. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. If you have a custom blind business like Tony does, then whatever you find your hand to do, do it with all your might. Do it with excellence. Amen. 
Amen. If you're a mechanic, do it with excellence. Don't, don't have this attitude, well, that's good enough, they'll never know. That's right. Amen. You know, I, I, I saw one time, I took my truck my, to the uh, uh, place where I bought it. And uh, it needed some service. And I took it, and when I got it back, I noticed in the floorboard in the back, there was a little box that had some parts in it to indicate, to show me, you know, the mechanic didn't come out and talk to me about it. They just had a little box in there with some parts in it, which was to say to me, if I looked at it, uh, we replaced all of this. This is what we did. Well, when I got the truck back, it wasn't any better off than it was when I took it in there. It was not with excellence. Why? Because the attitude today with most workers, just just get it through and get it out and get paid. When my dad was teaching me paint and body work, back in his day, there was no such thing as bondo. They leaded. They used lead. And that's how my dad taught me was lead. In fact, my dad said to me, son, if I ever catch you using Bondo, I'll whip you. <laughs> and, and you lead it. You, you pecked, you fouled, you heated, you shrunk, and you used lead. And the body shops quit using lead because it got to be expensive. It was too expensive. Do any of you know... Do you remember the vinyl tops that came out years ago? Do you know why vinyl tops came out? Not as a luxury item. Not as, you know, a new idea. Shoddy work at the factory. Well, they put the top together with the body. And it got to where it was so shoddy, they had to cover it up. And they invented the vinyl top. Isn't that amazing? What else do you suppose they cut short or did shortcuts on? Houses. Yeah, houses, yeah. Whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. I'll never forget uh, my dad worked for the Chevrolet dealership when I was a young boy in Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, uh General Motors had just come out with a Corvette in 1953, and it was fiberglass. And not many body men knew how to work fiberglass. And so they sent my dad to Flint, Michigan, to learn how to work on Corvettes. He became a Corvette specialist. And uh, so when he came back, the 53 Corvette had come out, and they sent one home to my dad. Now, in 53, let's see, I was seven years old. And I came home from school, and there's polo white Corvette, 53 Corvette, in my daddy's garage. And when I saw that Corvette, I didn't know what it was. But I fell in love with it. And I looked at that thing. My dad hadn't come home from work yet. I walked around it. I sat in it. And when I, I sat there until my dad come home. And I said, Dad, whose car is this? He said, well, I've been assigned to wreck it and rebuild it. Tear it apart and put it back together. 
until I can do it in my sleep. I actually saw my dad take that 53 Corvette and drive it right into a tree and just... <laughs> fabric, fabriglass went everywhere. And he had to put it back together. <laughs> Amen. And when he put it back together, then he backed it into a tree. And tore it up. Fabriglass went everywhere. In fact, my first Corvette was a 58 Corvette when I was in high school. And I couldn't afford to buy a new one. And Dad couldn't afford to buy me a new one, but he knew how much I loved Corvettes. And anybody ever heard of Hallsville, Texas, out near Longview? You know where Hallsville is? They had a drag strip back in the day. They still have it down there? I don't know. But Hallsville, Texas is where we went to the drag races. All us boys, you take our cars down there and drag race. And one day, I'm down there in my 57 Chevrolet, and a guy had this 58 Corvette, and he was going down the drag strip, and he flipped it right at the end of the drag strip. I got in my car, drove down there as fast as I could, said, you want to sell it? <laughs> he said, sell it? There's nothing left to it. I said, my daddy can fix it, <laughs> you know. And I hauled that car back home, and that was my first Corvette, a 58 wrecked Corvette that had been flipped and I gathered up little pieces of fiberglass all over that racetrack and hauled it back and dad repaired that and you could never you couldn't tell it ever been wrecked that was my first one amen so when I think of my dad I think of these scriptures Ecclesiastes 9 10 whatever thy hand findeth to do do it with all thy might Another translation says, whatever task comes your way, do it with all your strength. Amen. So once again, we're talking about excellence. We're talking about persistence. Do you see this? Yes, sir. You can half do something or you can do it right. It's your choice. Amen. 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 And you know, when you half do something, you always know you half did it. Yeah. You always knew... If you took a little more time, you could do it right. But why do we do it right? We're in a hurry and we're trying to get the money. We're trying to get paid. You can have to do it or you can do it right. In other words, it's your choice. And if you're not willing to do it right, then don't tell me you're pursuing excellence. You're not. Don't skimp. Don't work carelessly. Don't have the attitude that's good enough. Go the extra mile. If the task is worth doing, then it needs to be done with the attitude, I'm giving it my best. I heard someone say one time, the difference between failure and success is doing something nearly right or doing it right. Amen. Doing something nearly right are doing it right. If you haven't already done so, I challenge you tonight to make a commitment or perhaps a fresh commitment to pursue excellence. Not only in your walk with God, and that's most important, but also in your work. Whatever you do, if you want God's blessing on it, the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, one of the blessings of Abraham And you know Abraham's blessings belong to us. He says, and he will bless the work of your hands. Amen. So if you're going to work with your hands, 
then give it your best. Pursue excellence. Be diligent. Can you say amen? Amen. You receive that tonight? Just give the Lord a good shout. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right, now, let's stand up and let's pray for one another once again. We have a a new area for prayer. I want you to lay hands on somebody this time. And let's pray this prayer out loud together. Father, Father, in the name of Jesus, Jesus, we are men of faith. We are men of the Word. We are men who have given Your Word first place. We are men that have made Your Word final authority. Therefore, since we've seen in Your Word tonight, Therefore, since we've seen in your word tonight that excellence is important to you, that excellence is important to you, diligence is important to you, diligence is important to you, then we make the quality decision. we make the quality decision that from this moment forward, that from this moment forward, we will not settle for anything less. We will not settle for anything than less excellence than excellence in every area of our lives. In every area of our lives. Excellence in our walk with you. Excellence in our walk with you. Excellence in our relationship with others. Excellence in our relationship with others. Excellence in our relationship with family. Excellence in our relationship with family. Excellence in our finances. Excellence in our finances. Excellence in our work of our hands. Excellence in our work of our hands. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Never again. Never again. Will I accept? Will I accept? Good enough. Good enough. Good enough is not good enough. Good enough is not good enough. I'm going for excellence. I'm going for excellence. And I thank you for helping me, Holy Spirit. And I thank you for helping me, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I receive, Lord, I receive all the promises, all the promises that, we've read tonight, that we've read tonight that are entitled to those, entitled to who, those pursue who pursue excellence and who are diligent. And who are diligent. I receive them I in Jesus' name. In Jesus and name. I thank you for it. And give the Lord your best shout. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. All right, Justin. Amen. Amen. You received that tonight? Hallelujah. You know, I I remember uh, I've been been now just going on 20 years uh, being here, uh, part of Dr. Zell's ministry. I just remember... Uh, I looked at the back of Tony's head for the first first year of Bible school, uh, you know. And but I mean, I admired you, Tony, because uh, I saw how you were wanting God to uh, change your life and and different things. And He was working at FedEx during during the night midnight shift, and then He'd come to Bible school. I don't know when you slept, but <laughs> but to see where God's taken Tony, you know, just from do, doing that Bible school to having his own company and. And those things, and I, I remember um, working after, after I finished Bible school, working for the ministry, and um, was working in production, and and the Lord just just really ministered to me because I, I I had that heart of well, I, w- I want God to use me, I want God to do something great in my life, and He said He said you know, and I was like you know I, I want to be used like Doctor Sells being used, and He said, are you pursuing excellence like He's pursuing excellence? Amen. You, are you per, are you pursuing excellence? And and I had and it came, had to affect how, how my relationship with God. And it's like you know if God if I wanted to be used in the church, then the Lord was like, well, are, how are you excellent? 
Are you showing up? Are you involved? Are you, are you faithful? Are you this? And so, so often we want up here, but the thing is, is, is we have to change in order for God to bring those promotions in our lives through that. So thank you, Dr. Savell. Thank you for being an example of a life of excellence. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Savell. Amen. Thank you all again for being here. And, and uh, you know, I, I believe that um, God's going to sow, continue to sow. Holy Spirit's going to continue to sow amazing seeds into our lives, and we're going to leave, leave here changed. Amen.